Hi, it's Connor Svensson here, founder and CEO of Web3 Labs, and this is your week in blockchain on Monday the 27th of September 2021. The highlights this week include China has cracked down on crypto trading, Binance is now being investigated by the SEC, Coinbase has ceased plans for its lending product but is proposing for US crypto regulation approaches, Twitter has added support for Bitcoin tipping, DeFi has outperformed traditional finance by over 1600% in the last year and Snoop Dogg reveals himself as an NFT whale. Firstly, apologies this week. I've got a bit of a cold, so my voice is slightly more slightly hoarse, but uh, hopefully next week it'll all be back to normal there. So China this week actually issued tougher measures to crack down on people trading and holding crypto assets. They basically outlawed uh, anything to do with crypto. Previously, a few months back, they'd outlawed the crypto mining, uh, which sent the prices of um, Bitcoin and many of the leading cryptos tumbling. And now they've actually said that it's illegal to actually trade and uh, hold uh, crypto assets as well. So this also means exchanges that enable uh, people to you know, change fiat currencies for crypto and back and forth that they're now treated as illegal as well. And so it's a significant knock to the overall industry, of course, with the Chinese government doing this. Um, however, uh, it does seem that there are still some OTC services that are accessible from Huboy, uh, OKX and uh, Binance at this point in time. The price of Bitcoin dropped about $2,000 off the back of this announcement by the People's Bank of China, but it's definitely one to keep keep an eye on because it's certainly not, not good for uh, uh, the crypto markets more broadly. But at the same time, um, you know, one would hope that it's uh, going to be isolated to uh, China rather than you know, likely to see other regulators follow suit. Officials in the US are now investigating Binance for potential insider trading, according to Bloomberg. So they're looking at whether Binance or its staff profited by taking advantage of their customers. And uh, you've got the Commodities Future Trading Commission, uh, the CFTC, who are actually uh, involved in this investigation, as well as uh, you know activities that have been happening with the Internal Revenue Service uh, too. So it's, it's certainly going to be one to watch very closely. Um, and whilst the cryptos the trading of cryptos and the front running of it is something that's um, given there, you know, available to anyone uh, is is something that is potentially a problem. But if you've got the US regulator stepping in to potentially look to target US citizens there, it could be quite problematic for people who are you know, engaging in such practices. Um, Binance also have uh, ceased uh, their crypto futures and options products in Australia as well. And this is, of course, off the back of the increased ongoing regular scrutiny that's been going on there. So Coinbase, uh, that we spoke previously, about their tussle with the SEC about the plans to launch an actual crypto lending product. And so this would have been bridging Coinbase with some of the DeFi ecosystem, allowing people to earn yield on stable coins such as uh, USDC. However, they in a blog post, they've announced they've decided not to actually move forward with this, no doubt from the pressures um, from the SEC there and uh, Coinbase wanting to you know ensure that they keep the regulators on side with them. However, Coinbase apparently are also preparing to pitch a proposed regulatory framework to federal officials. Um, there's not further details available of this at present, but certainly given Coinbase's position within the US market, they'd be well placed to provide uh, such insights to help you know, lay out what could be sensible approaches to support regulatory needs. Off the back of the crackdown in China, uh, the crypto exchange FTX has also established subsidiaries in Gibraltar and the Bahamas. It, it makes sense, FTX being one of the big, uh, especially institutional trading venues, uh, they're currently based in Hong Kong, but having the 
he's um, give, you know given what's happening more broadly within China, um, you know, it, it seems like a sensible move to try and distance themselves from uh, the People's Bank of China. There, Genesis Digital Assets they've raised four hundred thirty-one million with uh, Paradigm leading the round. So Genesis Digital are a Iceland headquartered Bitcoin mining firm. They've been around for quite a long time. They've had a number of other strategic investors in the round, including uh, NYDIG, Stone Ridge, FTX, Electric Capital, and Kingsway Capital. Um, they actually yeah, they launched in 2013 and what they're looking to do with the this investment is to increase the actual the hash rate expansion, which basically means how much Bitcoin they can actually mine given the amount of computing power they have. Certainly being based in Iceland has been you know helpful given the availability of you know cooling because of the climate there and also technologies such as geo, geothermal for creating electricity. So it's um it's no doubt a big success story there. Twitter, they've actually rolled out after um, you know, a lot of discussions about embracing uh, Bitcoin support. They've actually rolled out Bitcoin tipping for iOS users using Bitcoin's Lightning Network. The Bitcoin Lightning Network is basically a layer two network for Bitcoin, which basically means it can handle much higher volume of transactions than the main Bitcoin network. Basically, what this feature enables people to do is to actually tip creators through services like Cash App, um, which is operated by Square, which is also founded by Jack Dorsey, co-founder of Twitter. They want to make it accessible to people. So if they don't have Bitcoin, they can easily get hold of them as well. Uh, IRS, the Internal Revenue Service in the US, has said that it plans to award a contract for a crypto startup that provides cross-chain tracing software. The idea of cross-chain um, is, is basically tracing transactions that go from one blockchain to another. So say if uh, you had an asset on Ethereum and then you transferred that across to Cardano, it enables you to actually capture those bridge trans bridge transactions certainly the tax reporting software has got a lot better in recent years for actually tracking details of people's activities on exchanges but also what they do with their own personal hardware wallets or software-based ones such as you know the widely used metamask browser-based wallet but the thing is is that when you actually move assets from one blockchain to another it gets a little bit harder there so um the, the irs is clearly trying to you know ensure that they have a way of um, you know, capturing this information and just you know, part in part to no doubt find people who aren't declaring their tax gains um, but but also it's it's you know it's, it's kind of a natural evolution of the systems as well that um, given the different platforms that people are using for things like DeFi and NFTs it makes it easier to actually you know trace the various activities that are happening there. Kind of tied in with this as well the Homeland Security uh, in the, the US Department of Homeland Security in the US has actually signed a deal with Coinbase to use its uh, block blockchain tracing software, which is called Coinbase Analytics. Uh, this apparently is a deal that's valued at $450,000 for one year, but could go up to over $1.4 million by 2024. And so um, if it does go to there, it will be the largest government contract for Coinbase Analytics. Um, but again, you know, more, more, more generally, this is you know, Coinbase is in a very powerful position because they provide like the main crypto trading platform um, in, in the US. They're not the largest exchange. Binance is the largest exchange, but Coinbase is certainly you know, one of the largest, I think, second. Um, but the, the point is there that given all of the information they are privy to, be that, you know, how they interact and transact with crypto markets, they know that have a lot of, you know, tooling there, but also, um, you know, the number of people trading on that, it's uh, it's a no-brainer for them to actually produce analytics software. It's like in, in the same way that, say, with Google, for instance, um, 
the US government wants to you know, track um, activity by nefarious actors, for instance, they could just go to Google and say, hey, you know, what can you give me on this? And uh, you know, from Coinbase's perspective, it kind of seems like a natural uh, business opportunity for them. But of course, you know, you get into that whole argument about uh, the, you know, the, the lack of decentralization there at being a centralized service and so on and so forth. Uh, Block Demon, they've uh, raised $155 million in their Series B ra- uh, raise, which has given them a valuation of $1.3 billion. So uh, what Block Demon do? They provide blockchain staking infrastructure and they plan to use the funds to expand its teams in Singapore, Japan, the UK and Germany and also look to make strategic uh, uh, acquisitions as well. So it's actually the uh, apparently they're the biggest blockchain infrastructure company in the world for node management and staking uh, and other people who were in, involved in this round included Matrix Capital, Sapphire Ventures and Mor- uh, Mortgage Creek Digital. Over in the protocols news, uh, Optimism, they've... Um, published a blog post uh, where the team is anticipating uh, Ethereum native protocols to launch on its network in a single click by the end of October. We've spoken previously about Optimism as one of the you know, the, the scaling or layer two technologies uh, launching for the Ethereum network. Their delay has been slightly, it's been put back originally. It was going to be, I think it was April, and then now we're, you know, we're obviously into, into September. But um and so in the meantime, Polygon's got quite a lot of traction, but Optimism's got a very solid team behind it. And um, you know, with this announcement, what they're really doing is they're wanting to make it as simple as possible for people to actually run on top of the network. Because you know, these, these Ethereum scaling chains, um, you need to have the barriers to entry as low as possible for people to actually use them. You don't want them to have to rewrite smart contracts or rewrite their deployment tools and so on, because it just creates barriers to actually embracing them. And so, you know, it's a smart move by Optimism to really, you know, propose this idea that it's like literally a single click to actually get it done. And so if you've got something that targets, um, you know, one of the Ethereum clients or node software, which you interact with, with these smart to deploy or call smart contracts uh, apparently can just work with optimism as well so it's definitely a good innovation on their part there the founder of bitclout the uh the kind of social decentralized social uh, platform um they've revealed what he's called DSO. And so this is someone who uses the pseudonym Diamond Hands, who's uh, Nada Al-Naji, who's a former Google engineer who created Basis that was a stable project that raised over 100 million back in 2018, but then they pulled the plug on it because of concerns about the regulator. Um, but now he's uh, promoting BitClout, um, not only BitClout, sorry, but also a blockchain that's called DSO, um, which apparently is hosting over 100 apps, um, but they're, they're all about providing decentralized social networks so they want to ensure that people's social media profiles and their friends and connections that people can do find ways to actually um, own that data and um, you know have control over it basically and create tokens or some sort of you know incentive mechanisms that enables people to you know create their own value um, from these networks rather than the funds going to you know centralized providers such as Twitter and you know so on and so and Facebooks and so on again you know it's, it's very ambitious these plans because there's um, you know they're certainly they're trying to encourage people to move off these incumbent platforms so to speak and so you know it makes sense that people are being very ambitious here but it's certainly you know it's a big ask though if you want to try and get people to stop using facebook or whatsapp or instagram or twitter or whatever else there so you know one to watch but you know definitely great to see those lofty ambitions there we spoke last week about the downtime of the solana network where it was down for around about a day and apparently it's it was due to a denial of service attack that took place so it was it was offline for 
for more than 17 hours. Um, and the Solana Foundation, who are responsible for maintaining the, the network um, and you know, creating the software and everything else that people uh, run it, um, they, they is- issued a post-mortem and uh, they, they said that the network was actually overwhelmed by incoming transactions, i.e. You know, denial of service attack, uh, which uh, went up to 400,000 per second. And uh, this started when a, a certain IDO or initial decentralized exchange offering, uh, which was hosted on the Solana network called Radium, happened. On that IDO, there was this um, thing called Great Protocol um, that uh, it, was, it, it was overloaded by transactions. And so it's not been said if it was literally just demand for the project there or whether it was actually people trying to, you know, um, attack the network but uh, no doubt they'll be taking on a lot of the learnings here and uh, hoping that it doesn't happen again because um, it certainly doesn't do you know isn't good for their reputational risk this sort of stuff so Melier, which is a co-processing protocol on the ethereum virtual machine uh, they've announced a, a partnership with Mistin labs where they actually want to provide uh, smart contract applications on top of the cosmos blockchain so Cosmos is one of the so-called interoperability blockchains, and uh, so by you know pr- providing um, smart contract applications on it, it just makes it easier for people to say take Ethereum code, for instance, and actually run it on top of that blockchain, and then transfer it across. And this would enable um, people to well, new opportunities for say DeFi um, or other initiatives where you can actually have applications that go from Cosmos to other different exchanges there. So it's you know, it's, it's a big area at the moment, the whole thing of interoperability. We've spoken already about the regulatory want for this, but as well, you know, we, we know too that certainly for developers and so on, and just people who want to, you know, get into DeFi, they, they want to have the sort of flexibility there to move things across so they're not really you know, stuck to, to one blockchain as such. Definity, uh, their internet computer blockchain, they're bringing smart contract capabilities to the Bitcoin network. The internet computer, which is by Definity, they had an incredibly successful token sale earlier this year, which uh, at one point, it got them into the, the um, top top ten projects um, by market cap, and um, what they do, what they've done though, is they've created a mechanism for smart contracts to be created with Bic- native Bitcoin addresses there as such. This is kind of the, one of the first big announcements from them um, in terms of actually you know, bridging two other platforms. Uh, Definity itself, though, they've got you know, a very significant amount of funding and they launched the 220 million developer ecosystem project uh, earlier this year as well. Um, and so they've received backing from some of the biggest names in crypto. So it'll definitely be one to watch, but um, can't really go into the details of how it works at this point. Cardano, they've announced a DApp store for their for what are called certified DeFi applications. So Cardano, we've spoken a lot recently about how they're launching their the, the smart contract platform um, and what they want to do is have like a, a dApp store or you know, decentralized app store for actually for, to make it easy for people to discover these decentralized apps. Certainly, if you look at uh, what's happening in the Ethereum networks and many of the other ones, you don't really have, you've got some websites which you know aggregate what are the popular protocols, but they're not really positioned as apps as such in the same way that, you know, apps are on the, you know, Apple or Google app stores. And so it's an interesting initiative to see how uh, Cardano goes with this, certainly because Cardano, um, and it's a similar thing as well with many of the other third generation blockchain protocols, is that they're predominantly being maintained and created by like a single company entity. Um, and so what this means is they have kind of a little bit more control over how they create the ecosystem around it. And it's not to say that they're not kind of decentralized in their approach, but you know, with Polkadot, Cardano and, and various others, they 
they, they, they have single companies who've got a lot of funding who've typically got them to a certain point in time and they are you know, removing themselves from the governance process. But at the same time, because they have a lot of sway in the community, they're able to get these initiatives off the ground. Whereas with some sort of Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's slightly more you know grassroots in terms of how they've grown up, grown up. And so you don't kind of have single companies that have you know almost control the same level of control around the ecosystem. So you know it certainly has the potential to be very big this approach, but it's um, you know an, an, another one to watch to see how it uh, evolves there. Uh, Portal, a DeFi project, has uh, managed to actually raise 8.5 million. Um, what they're looking to do is bring a DeFi ecosystem to the Bitcoin blockchain, and they've got Coinbase Ventures and others investing in the round. And what they want is censorship resistant layers on top of the Bitcoin base layer. This is something that. Um, Jack Dorsey from Twitter's spoken a lot about this idea of uh, being able to have smart contracts and DeFi infrastructure on the Bitcoin network. Um, I don't believe uh, he was he was involved in this, this raise as such, but uh, yeah, again, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves, especially when you hear like you know what Internet Computer have announced as well with their you know Bitcoin enabled smart contracts. It is questionable whether it's the best use of the technology because um, really what people are trying to do there is take for second generation and third generation blockchains kind of provide out the box in their base protocol. So your Ethereum's, your Cardano's, um, Polkadot's, uh, you know, Solana's, they, they kind of natively support this notion of smart contracts and programmability. Whereas Bitcoin wasn't really built for that. So these are kind of solutions that people are trying to lay on top of it. So you know, certainly they're, they're big ambitions to have, but um, you know, it does make it slightly harder for them to do that. There's been an announcement of a new partnership, and this is between uh, Panther Pro- Protocol and Polygon. So Polygon was, was one of the leading layer two scaling technologies for Ethereum. And what they're looking to do here is provide um, interoperable privacy and compliance-friendly selective disclosure mechanisms on the Polygon network. So, so really, this is about um, providing good quality privacy technologies. Um, this is using what's called ZK, ZK SNARKs, which is zero knowledge, a type of zero knowledge um, approach there, which which basically you know, is the, the main approach that's being taken for privacy enabling um, on top of public blockchain networks. And so what, what it enables them to do basically is to you know, share information you know, using these decentralized apps that are running on top of the platform there, um, providing just a bit of protection about the underlying data there. So it's a space that's moving incredibly quickly around the, the privacy and the zero knowledge proof type technology. But um, Polygon certainly seems to be moving in leaps and bounds with regards to these new partnerships and who they're working with on these different initiatives. Uh, a report that's come out as well, apparently uh, the DeFi ecosystem has outperformed traditional finance finance by uh, 1,662% in the last year. Um, so where you've seen like DeFi go from a $1 billion industry to over $100 billion. And uh, you know, with everything that's been happening across Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Solana, Avalanche, Polygon, and so on and so forth, where when you actually add up the amount of um, what they call the gross value locked um, across all the different blockchains like Ethereum, Solana, Avalanche, uh, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, apparently that figure is over $120 billion. Um, with the, it's being dominated by Aave, Sushi, Swap, and Compound. Allegedly, though, the uh, the big DeFi protocols on Ethereum have uh, accumulated two point three six billion dollars in revenue since July twenty twenty, which is a uh, you know a phenomenal return. And so this was a report that came on the from, from Tokenist there, the decentralized exchange aggregator one inch there they've added support for uh, the arbitrum scaling solution so this is another one of the scaling platforms for ethereum it's certainly getting a lot of attention alongside polygon and optimism which we've 
touched on earlier on. Um, and so one inch uh, adding support for it basically means that people can use that scaling solution alongside others um, should, should, should they want to there. So we, when you see these other big protocols like one inch integrating with them, it basically means that, you know, people are interested in uh, the op- opportunity that uh, that protocol provides. So, you know, it, it would kind of call out that, yeah, Arbitrum, there's you know, one inch feel it's worth worthwhile actually providing the integration points there for their user base. Carver announced a $185 million DeFi fund. So this is um, from the come from Carver Labs. And what they're looking to do is grow the Carver ecosystem. And so this is, um, you know, they're trying to incentivize DeFi projects here. But of course, you know, so many different uh, protocols are creating these, these massive um, funds for incentivizing people to build on sort of the, on top of their platform. So they're really, you know, jostling with a number of other um, you know, companies in that respect. The blockchain ent- entertainment company, uh, Animoca Brands, has uh, acquired a majority stake in a uh, NFT solution provider called Bondly. This is basically because uh, Bondly is working on NFT swap protocols and cross-chain NFT minting and bridges. Again, you know, like with DeFi and just general crypto assets, people want to be able to easily exchange them across different blockchains. And so you know, it, just, it just kind of makes sense for them to, to make these strategic investments there. The fantasy soccer NFT platform has um, managed to uh, raise a $680 million Series B fundraise, which was actually led by SoftBank. They've really got a who's who of uh, some of the VCs here alongside, of course, SoftBank. They've also got Benchmark and Excel there as well. So some very big names in the VC industry. And what what's so, so rare, sorry, I should say, do is they uh, let fans of football-based NFT trading cards of um, well-known footballers like Cristiano Real, Ronaldo, um, and they enable people to basically trade them with one another. So you can think of it as like a, a football uh, trading card game that uh, runs on top of the Ethereum blockchain. But the the card sales so far this year have um, been $150 million. So you know, it's it's a massive uh, valuation there that they've got, which uh, you know which, which uh, takes them up to $4.3 billion. And um, they've got apparently um, over 600,000 regular users and licensed players from over 180 uh, football clubs as well. So definitely one to watch. And, you know, they're really spun up so quickly but of course you know football's an incredibly popular game so you know if uh, it makes sense that people want to jump on you know board with this but also it's another demonstration of how uh, nfts have kind of been that that engine that you, could, you know one could argue have um, brought blockchain technology mainstream as you know cross the cross the chasm so to speak because you know with these sorts of revenues and valuations that's not just you know your um you know p- people who are crypto speculators getting involved that's like people who really you know are, are quite invested in um, what's being achieved here in the platform that's being built out there so it's um, definitely one to keep an eye on fortune um they disclosed recently some some auctions that took place that we reported they raised over 1.3 million um, when the auctions happened, but over half of it was uh, split between a number of different press organizations. So this went to Reporters Without Borders, the Ground Truth Project, the Institute for Nonprofit News, and the, uh, the Committee to Protect Journalists. Um, they all received uh, almost 165,000 uh, ETH from the sale of these NFTs. And so you know, they, they clearly you know created these because they want to support the the wider journalist system. It, again, you know what we're seeing with many NFT sales is that yes, at one level you have the speculators there who are getting involved, but you also have a lot of companies finding it as ways to earn you know raise raise money for good causes too. Snoop Dogg, the rapper, has uh, re- revealed himself as a NFT whale on Ethereum with his seventeen million dollar collection. So um, he announced uh, that he was a uh, 
Cosome de Medici, uh, who was a uh, NFT collector who joined uh, Twitter in August. Uh, he's been tweeting a lot about his NFT journey and uh, discussing you know, all the different NFTs that have uh, been you know, get, getting sold and everything else in recent months. But apparently, though, his, you know, the collection, according to the wallet associated with this account, uh, has some, you know, some, some pretty significant NFT investments in there, including nine CryptoPunks, which... Uh, is estimated at 4.6 million, 10 me bits, and a number of uh, other things from like the generative artwork series, Art Blocks. And so a number of these projects we've discussed previously, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's entertaining when you see a character such as Snoop Dogg uh, you know, get, getting out there with it. He's also actually off the back of this selling a 1,000 NFT passes for a private Ethereum metaverse party. So he's partnered up with the Sandbox, and this is in a, a metaverse-based game that runs on Ethereum, and uh, they're going to have a custom-themed environment with a mansion, playable Snoop avatars, and lots of weed-themed imagery of course and uh, 650 of these NFT party passes are available on the Sandbox's marketplace and then others will be uh, sold elsewhere such as Decentraland and so Snoop's really trying to find ways to embrace and uh, with this ecosystem. So another football related NFT piece of news um, Dapper Labs the creators of Crypto Kitties and NBA Top Shots that we've discussed a lot on this um, they've uh, got a collaboration with La Liga, who are the top level Spanish soccer division uh, and, and its teams. So these are uh, football teams like Real Madrid, um, FC Barcelona, Atletico Madrid and so on. And what they're going to do is they're going to have a marketplace uh, on the Dapper Labs Flow blockchain, which is going to be launching ne- next year. Uh, they've also had uh, another funding round as well, where which this was a $250 million funding round, which gives them a valuation at $7.6 billion. So again, they're, um, they're doing phenomenally well there. Time Magazine, they did a NFT uh, sale this, this week as well. They sold 4,676 NFTs, which sold out in one minute. And the uh, the gas prices on the network went really high there as well. And these were sold to about 700 people. So again, incredibly successful. And so the, the actual NFTs had works from 40 artists. They were called timepieces. And it was really the company wanted to have another foray into NFTs. And they want to really com- create a community and loyalty with the brand here. And then finally, a uh, wor- what's called the wormhole, uh, which is an NFT bridge has uh, launched which is a uh, a bridge that connects ethereum to solana which enables people to transfer assets between the the different blockchains and this is bi-directional so again it's, it's something that we're seeing in a, a lot of places where um, it enables people to actually take a asset um you know historically it's been a crypto like you could have wrapped bitcoin for instance where someone takes bitcoin deposits it to a bitcoin wallet then they get wrapped bitcoin that they can use on the ethereum network and so now we're seeing this um across blockchains focused on nfts as well so certainly this isn't the, the first one to emerge we've, we've seen it as well for instance with the palm blockchain and ethereum where you can you know purchase nfts on the palm blockchain and then transfer them across to ethereum but certainly with the nft market right now we're seeing you know arguably the most activities happening on ethereum as well as Solana and also Dapper Labs um, are doing a lot with their flow blockchain too. But um, having these bridges in place is just going to make it easier for people to move them around, which is certainly a good thing for overall usability there. So that's all the news we have for this week. In terms of our metrics, the crypto market cap is down um, almost 12% to 1.92 trillion. Assets locked in DeFi are down just over 13% to 80 billion. Seven-day NFT sales, they're down uh, just over 6% to 236 million, uh, with an average price down almost 50% to 2,650. 
That's all we have for this week. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on our YouTube channel. Links to all items discussed are available in the show notes and on our website, weekendblockchain.com. We've also just launched a new podcast, Blockchain Innovators, where I speak to individuals who've made significant contributions to the blockchain ecosystem. Find out what inspires these people, get their thoughts on the latest industry news and events spanning crypto, blockchain, protocols, DeFi, NFT, DAOs, and IoT. Thanks, and I'll see you next week.